Guess who's back? Back again. Why am I so nervous to do the intro? We are back. Tell we your recorded friends. two episodes. Maybe it's because we're not at Bam Bam's. We're recording these at a separate, undisclosed location. You guys, we're back. I know. We should be more excited. We took a little summer break, and we're here, and we have new episodes, and they're awesome. They are awesome. So this week, we have Corinne Stoko. She's like an OG in the whole business, female entrepreneur, influencer world. Like she was one of the first ones that my wife told us or told me that we needed to try to get when we started the podcast. And for those of you who don't know who Corinne Stoko is, just off of her real God-given legal name, <laughs> it's Mint Arrow, which is probably how most people for sure know her, right? Isn't that funny? This whole Instagram phenomenon, right? We know known by your names. We have handles. We have handles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Mint Arrow. What what a lady. It was so awesome. She's also Brooke's sister, female foodie. Yep. And so another family member came in and she's from California. She was in town visiting and sought a, sought, sought, shot us a message. It's like, hey, let's do a podcast. And I was like, hey, what a perfect time to start Nitty Gritty again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, everyone's like, so why three months? And we're just like, well, because that's when Corinne called. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we figured let's do this. But we're back and we're excited because we actually have employees that are helping us. Yeah. We have sponsors. We're like legit. This is a real podcast now. We're coming out, coming back strong. Yep. NMLS. <laughs> it's coming for You'll me. hear what that is later. NMLS. <laughs> so we hope you like this episode with Corinne. We'll talk about everything from how she got started with her business to crazy marriage stories and moving and family. I mean, it, this it kinda, one it covers, covers everything, right? It gets deep. Yeah. It gets deep, but it's also really fun. Yeah. Like super refreshingly honest, open, like such a good, like first episode back yeah, for us. It's very, very like kind of our, like in our wheelhouse, right? And she was just, I can't believe how we've got to get her husband in. Like yeah. just, we talk a lot about her husband and some recovery stuff and yep. just so cool how like, okay, they are with sharing all that. And they've probably helped so many people. So this one, it does, it covers a gamut, but it is such an awesome kickoff. So enjoy the first of many more to come. And thank you for your support. We love you. And we're so glad to be back. And thanks, Corinne, for starting our season off. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. Nitty Gritty is in the house. I just switched my calendar from April to July I think here at my desk. Cam's first time back in the office. It is not. Second? Fourth, maybe. <laughs> my, fifth my fifth hour combined in this office in three months. So what's funny about this is we have Corinne Stoko with us. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Mint Arrow. Mint Arrow. We're going to get into it. Well, relax. I mean, just to let people know. Right just relax. Because I mean, when I said Corinne Stoko to somebody, I won't say who. It's like, who? I'm like, Mint Arrow. <gasps> oh. I love her. <laughs> anyway. So what's funny, when we started the podcast, you were, I think, the first person my wife was like, you have got to get her on the podcast. Oh, that's and really so nice. so she was like so excited to find out that you're coming today. So thank you for coming. It's kind of been 
we tried to schedule a couple different times in yeah. Corona and you live in a different state. So thank you for coming and we're so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm really excited too. It smells really good here. Thank you. It smells like, my like shirt. food. <laughs> That's my shirt. That's how my shirt smells pretty much every day. Well, not the last few months. Yep. But you know what I mean. Are we saying your last name right, by the way? You are. Stoka? Okay. I'm impressed. <sighs> I mean, people really I, messed that up. Like, oh, I would yeah. feel like that's the first. Like, when I saw that spelled, like, I think we all said the same thing. Stoko. Like, yeah. what phonetically, it makes sense. But yeah. when I married my husband, he was like, "Have fun being Kareen Stokey for the rest of your life." Really, Stokey? Stokey huh? Yes, it's because there's an e at the end, so people just skip yeah, maybe over. Maybe it's the Spanish thing. Like, know. O's are O's now, but Stokey. Yeah. Is there anything that ends in O-E that is that sounds like that? <laughs> so so we're just, basically there are some idiots, really dumb people out there. No, yes, just misinformed. Just say it. I'm just misinformed. Just illiterate. No, it's fine. Just kidding. Well, good. So Corinne, you are Brooke's sister also. Correct. And I didn't even know that until... She came in and she was talking about like family and because my family's actually done cooking classes at your mom's house. Oh, no way. Yeah. Brooke That's is awesome. female foodie. Sorry. Brooke is yeah. female foodie. Just so everybody knows. So first question for you. Okay. Mint Arrow. Where did it come from? Where's the name? Like, wh- like, how did that whole thing begin? Okay. So you want the story of the business or the name? The name first. The name first. Yeah. Okay. The name came from... I was trying to think of something that would represent money and something that would represent deal finding. So the arrow was supposed to be kind of like hunting down a deal. Okay. And then mint was supposed to represent money, but nobody ever makes that association. Yeah. And it kind of came to life through a group text with my family. We were throwing out different ideas. And so that's where the name came from. And then it just kind of stuck. And you're right when people... When people see me in the airport or at Disneyland or at a gas station or wherever, (laughs) no, but they never come up to me and say, are you Corinne? They always say, are you Mint Arrow? Right. It's totally true. Like your user handle is your name pretty much, right? I have to refer to you as Bam Bams for some people because they're like, who? I'm like, he owns Bam Bams. Like, oh, Bam Bam. It's like, yeah, Bam Bam. That's true. I mean, that's how it goes, I guess. But Mint Arrow is kind of a cool name. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. And I didn't even think about the money part of Mint. Like, that makes total sense. I like it. So when did that happen? How long ago was Mint Arrow kind of created? So in 2013, I started Mint Arrow. And it was after my first daughter was born, Annabelle. She was born in October of 2012. And it was in Utah, freezing cold, October 30th, so almost November. Okay. And just cold, snowy, typical Utah. And... I really struggled with postpartum depression and just like going from a really busy lifestyle, always on my feet, always on the go. Uh, I was an executive assistant for years. I was the last like desk job I had was I was an executive assistant to the CFO at Vivint. So I was down here every day and just very, very busy to very isolated by myself in, you know, a dark house with, nowhere to go because it was yeah and it was snowy and cold and so I started to just try to get out so many of my friends and my mom were like you just have to get up and get out of the house every day 
Even did you like recognize that you were in it while you were in it? Or is it something you look back on and realize what you were going through? Uh, I'm really glad that now, you know, OBGYNs will routinely ask questions at your six week checkup because I didn't even know yeah. until I went to that. And my doctor started asking me questions and how's, how are the baby blues? And I just started crying and I was like, I cry every day. And he was like, that's not necessary. We don't, you know, but, um, anyway, so I started to try to just push myself to get up and get out of the house every day. And so I would go shopping because there's not, you can't go on a walk with a baby, with an infant when it's icy and snowy everywhere in the winter. So we would go to target or Costco or the mall and just walk around. And my mom raised me finding deals on everything. And so I kind of thought that was fun. I had knack for it. And I was just posting things on my personal Instagram with this hashtag, someone go buy this. And wow. that's where it kind of started. And I was doing it just to have something to do to get out of the house every day. And where did that come from? Like coming up with like the hashtag and like just posting about it. That was just a, I, the very first thing I found was this Jenny Lind bed. Do you know what Jenny do you know? Okay, it's okay. No. So Sorry, wrong, Jenny Lynn, wrong group. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's it's just like this pretty, um, very old fashioned looking bed that, you know, you could have had a hundred years ago and it's still in style now. And I saw it at some, I want to say maybe it was like a down east cell. And it was this beautiful Jenny Lind bed that was, you know, should have been $300 bed that was like $70 or something. And so I posted it on my personal Instagram and said, someone, I don't need this bed, but someone go buy this. And so that kind of became a trend. And then I had friends that were like, you're so good at this. You should turn it into a business or start a blog doing this. And I thought, okay, I guess that'll keep me busy. And that's how it started. Wow. So were you pretty active on social media back then, then? I mean, Instagram was really new, yeah. you know, so 2012, 2013. So yeah, I was, and I used all the terrible Instagram filters and, but, <laughs> but I was posting, I tried to post Monday through Friday every day on my blog too, just different deals I was finding online. And she had a great excuse to go shopping every day. Like it's my job, honey. <laughs> right. So I couldn't spend the money. We were oh, like pretty, right. like, I mean, we weren't broke, but we were on a tight budget at the time. Wow. And so I couldn't spend the money but it was fun for me to find the deals and say maybe someone else needs this that That's was some impressive self-control i couldn't do that because what happens when my wife finds a deal she just says look how much money i saved right yeah it's never what did it cost like it's, well i need how much money i saved all 12 tubes of toothpaste <laughs> to get the deal and that was something too there were a lot of deal blogs out there right but there weren't very many that were combining kind of a style fashion sense with deals so uh, deals on kind of higher end things nicer things you know I, it was like my jam to find a four hundred dollar stroller for two hundred dollars probably or, premium yeah that's, just i learned from susan peterson what we are proudly premium <laughs> that's the word i like that i think it's kind of cool so that is cool because you do see a lot of the deal accounts it's just like they're kind of all over the place at the time there really were only beginning fashion blogs kind of starting up and then there were lots of coupon clipping right blogs that, that was popular where it was like go to smith's today and buy 12 yeah. tubes of toothpaste <laughs> right, right. for a dollar 25 like that was very popular but there really wasn't something that kind of bridged the gap so, so how did you like wow. what made you think or did you think 
this is going to turn into something or is it more just this will give me something to do every day? So like as you start yes. posting, like, did you ever have any idea or thoughts into business? Were you an entrepreneur? I mean, you'd worked quite a bit, but I mean, was that even in your thoughts? I wanted it to be taken seriously. I wanted to do a good job because I kind of am that way with everything that I had done in my life, but I didn't expect, I mean, I still remember I got a phone call from one of my friend's husbands who I actually worked for a little bit when I was at BYU. That's another story for another day. But he called me and said, hey, my wife, Katie's been looking at your blog. She loves it. And, you know, I was just wondering, how do you plan on monetizing? And I was like, mon, what? <laughs> and he was like, how are you going to make money? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll put an ad on there someday. I had no idea. And that's when he introduced me to affiliate marketing. And at the time, he had kind of a startup affiliate marketing business. So he wanted to introduce me to that. But that's that was where I started. And then once I started doing really well for certain brands like Nordstrom and Kate Spade, they invited me to do sponsored campaigns with them and go to New York Fashion Week for them and things like Holy that. Crap. So you've been to Fashion Week? I a used to times? go a lot and it's kind of changed now. There were uh, several years where it was a thing to invite bloggers and then it right. became very oversaturated and now it's kind of not as much a thing. Interesting. Uh, the first time I went though, I had no business being there and no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Truly. So. Oh man, that would be crazy. Well, it's just another story of just doing something you love to do and it just kind of like turning it into a business just kind of not falls in your lap because you're working hard at it. Yeah, I worked hard. But we'll say the universe comes together. Like people notice what you're doing. Somebody calls you to talk about monetization. Like, Jared keeps popping up into my head too. You know, Gold Yeller with his Lego, just he he makes stop motion Lego and he just recreates sporting events and things like that. And now he gets the hired. Old, the, and the lucky quote, right? When preparation meets opportunity. Uh, totally right. So see you still have the quotes. The three months <laughs> off it. didn't change anything. But yeah, I mean the, the barbecue is no different for me. Just I I wasn't doing it to make any I was doing it because I love to do it. And it never really felt like work. Plus, I kind of feel like if you're going to a store mm -hmm. to just window shop, right? Right. Why would you be looking at tubes of toothpaste, right? Like, go to the cool part of the store. Right. So it, that kind of, I mean, that had to play a role in the whole high end. Like, if I can't buy it, I might as well, you know, go to the, the dreamy part of the store, like where I can set some goals and yeah, look at some nice stuff. and right. It's kind of cool how that worked out almost. Right. And there was kind of a thrill seeking aspect of it too, to right. find something that, you know, nobody had found a deal on yet, or this is the lowest price ever. I mean, I still get that high when we find something that's an amazing deal right. and we get to send it out to our readers or whatever. So were you sending out stuff where, was it kind of like, like one of my favorite things to do at Sam's Club is go straight to the like open box shelf, like the uh, return shelf? Like it was it individual items at an individual location or were you posting deals that were at all targets, for example, or how does that work? Yeah, it was definitely trial and error at first. And one of the things I tried, we lived right by an Overstock outlet at the oh, time. Wow. And so Overstock sells stuff that is name brand that right. they're just trying to, you know, 
get rid of, I, I think mostly from returns. So I tried that out a little bit where I bought a couple pieces that were supposed to be investment pieces and posted those on Instagram to see if anyone would directly buy them from me. And that, that was a total bust. I, we ended up like giving those away (laughs) because, uh, yeah, reselling's hard. Yeah. So I, I figured out very quickly that it was a lot better to put online deals out that anyone from anywhere could access. And so, yeah, it, so it wasn't about like, get over to target on center street there's this deal here. Not, I tried it's to more about online. It. Yeah. Yeah. How are Mark. you finding stuff? Like, like if it's online, like I, I can understand like walking into stores kind of and finding deals. Mm-hmm. She's like, not going to tell you. No, I'll tell you. There's a secret algorithm. <laughs> a secret algorithm. You can't know about. <laughs> no, I just really, it was fun for me. So yeah. I was always looking. In fact, when I, so when I got pregnant with our first babies, this was before Mint Arrow was born. Right. When I was pregnant with Annabelle, I had a spreadsheet of all the things that I wanted. I wanted like a high, I, I actually had like three or four dream strollers that I wanted. Cause I still, to this day, my husband always wants to like burn all the strollers in our garage. <laughs> we have one kid out of the four who still rides in a stroller. And I think we have like 15 strollers. Oh <laughs> no. But um, he just actually last weekend, uh, there was a garage sale in our community and I was gone doing, I was a youth leader at a uh, youth conference and he sold a few of my strollers yes. while I was gone. Oh man! But anyway, when I was pregnant, so I didn't even have a baby yet. I had a full uh, spreadsheet of all the high end baby gear that I wanted. I had my high chair, like my Boone flare high chair picked out and my, um, the crib that I wanted from Restoration Hardware and I want to see it the strollers and high chair right uh, <laughs> yeah, it, that that now is like a collector's item. Basically, they don't make them anymore, but you can get a good deal on Facebook Marketplace. I even know what price you should be looking for. Anyway, so at <laughs> the time it. I had right this list of things that I wanted, and then I would just look. I would look online and search different. You know, I would Google, and then I would compare prices and watch Amazon to see if prices would drop. Um, there were different, you know, baby stores that would run certain promotions with percents off. Like Bye Bye Baby is famous for that. They do twenty percent off. So I was just like tracking and looking and watching for deals, and then. I figured, okay, I have nine months to buy all of these things. So I kind of tried to spread out all of the purchases and buy them right when they were at the best deal. And my mom was so mad at me when we had my baby shower. There was nothing left on the list. (laughs) I had bought it all myself for a really good deal. And she actually was really bugged. But, you know, I had already been doing that, looking for deals. I did the same thing when Neil and I got married. I was trying to just be really scrappy and... So you've always had that inside of you. Yeah, it's just fun. I don't know. It like was even fun when you were younger, you were like the joy, like the thrill of the find, the hunt is way more. Yeah, it's fun. Okay. And it's fun to give that to other people who they're like, oh, I never thought I could afford this. But now, you know, instead of buying kind of downgrading to the thing I didn't really want as much, now I can buy the stroller I really wanted. Okay. And like, are you finding deals? Was it on like the manufacturer's website or is it usually like a third party? It was usually a third party like okay. Amazon or Walmart or, Oh, you can right now buy by babies running a promotion. Plus you can use this 20% off okay. code and then you'll get it for this much, okay. which they're not going to advertise on their site. But if you stack these two codes together, stuff like that. Yeah. See stacking, that's a hard one. Cause so many people assume that you can't right. And so a lot of people, there's been times where I knew someone at Nike and they're just like, you have that other coupon, like you can use these together, you know that? I'm like, oh, I, we're also used to just seeing like, can only you know, limit one per person or you can only use it for one purchase. But 
The stacking thing's sweet. Yeah. So what was the evolution then? I mean, how, how did it start to go from you should buy this to you're posting more often? And then like, like when did it become a business, I guess? Like when did it transition from this is fun mm-hmm. to this is a business? Okay, so when my husband and I got married, we lived here in Utah in Sandy. That's where we had our first baby, Annabelle. And I was doing Mint Arrow for fun, like at nap time, early morning, after she went to bed at night. Yep. That was kind of the grind for me. And then he was out uh, doing medical device sales all day. So then he'd come home at night and you know it was a very traditional setup for us. And then we moved to Southern California when Annabelle was a year and a half old. And so my blog was... I think exactly a year old. What when took you down there? Kind of a job for him, but actually really we just, we were sitting in the temple and I just had this really strong impression that we were supposed to move to Southern California. I started crying and he was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> and he said, well, you have to tell me. And I said, I feel like we're supposed to move. And he just looked at me and said, move, like move out of our house. And I said, no, I feel like we're supposed to move to Southern California. And he was like, great. Sweet, let's do it. Wow. So he started kind of looking and this job popped up where he happened to have connections and it's really hard to move areas if you're in medical device sales, but he got this job that really he shouldn't have gotten because we had no connections. He had no relationships in Southern California, but he got it, I think, because we were meant to move down there. And then he actually lost his job six months after we moved there. So at that point we were kind of like, oh, dang, what do we do? We have we have really expensive, we had sold our house in Utah. The rent was astronomical in San Clemente where we were living at the time. And uh, my blog was making some money, but I had funneled everything back into the business. We weren't living off of it up until that time. And so we were like, okay, I guess, like we'll just kind of live off of this for a minute while you look for a job. And then that that was where I really started to work super hard more like a this is a job not just a side hustle yeah and that's really where a lot of it kind of took off wow so so like, like when you started to do it more was it just more posting or like how did you like like step up yeah more posting more just um and i think that was where too we started looking for and accepting a lot more sponsored campaigns and working with brands. And so that kind of that side of the business kind of took off. And um, so Neil started growing. We decided to do a doTERRA business too. So he started doing that and he did that for a couple of years. And then, well, really, I think for three years. Yeah. And then I was growing Mint Arrow and we kind of worked side by side doing that. And then we kind of came to a head where I was like, I can't, run this business anymore by myself. So I either need to bring on a business partner or you need to come work with me full time. And that's what we felt really good about. So he came over and helped me be more responsible and act like a grown up in my business that rather than just kind of like haphazardly throw things together and, and there was no structure really to what I was doing. And he came in and helped me with have actually having an editorial calendar and hiring on more people to have an actual team and to outsource some of the things that were, burning me out you know I was working like 60 hours plus a week and he was like let's figure out a smarter way to do this so yeah so we've been working together uh since probably for four years now yeah wow yeah 
So many spouses working together. So many stories of it. It's Were you crazy. worried about it at first? About like bringing that all together? No, because we actually, so when he first lost that job that took us down to Southern California, like his boss was laid off, then he was laid off, then they just shut down the whole territory that he was in. And so he and I were like, well, I, you know, like I said, I guess I'll just like work really hard at Mint Arrow while you look for something else. And I was like, in the meantime, he and I were both like, yeah, you should work with me and we should try this out. It was a disaster. It lasted like uh, not even a week because it was kind of like he was my assistant. He was like, well, what do you need help with? And I was like, well, I guess you could do some of this. And well, I need that done. And it was just, it was awful. So we, what we learned to do though, when he was running the doTERRA business and I was running Mint Arrow, we would kind of meet once a month and decide what our marketing was going to be with the doTERRA business. And so I would market it. Then he ran the whole business side of that. And we learned to work side by side. And we really learned about staying in our own lane, like having our own response. Yes. And so because we were really confident about our ability to work side by side in businesses that were kind of like, you know, grew up as sister businesses or whatever, then we were really confident that we could do it once we decided to fully come back together. That's got to be a huge part of working with your spouse, right? What? Like, well, it's kind of, you know, it just popped into my head. Why can't I? My names today have been so bad. Betty's. Betsy oh, and Gentry. Yeah. Betsy and Gentry. Gosh, dang But it. Betsy sorry, and Gentry have been too. together since they were like 12 years old. That's true. So. That's true. It's kind of creepy. No, I'm not, no. Not creepy at all. It's the most romantic thing ever. They're I love so those cute. two. But he's in the back, right? Like he runs the warehouse. She's up front. Like they have it, very separate roles. It's, it's kind of like that with most of the couples that we've talked to in here that it's probably very, very important. Like you're in charge of this. I'm in charge of this. Yes. Like you don't have to ask me for things. I'm not going to boss you and tell like, mm-hmm. cause yeah, if I was my wife's assistant, like hell to the no, <laughs> like that would not work at all. No, it didn't work. But you know, we really owe that structure to Jared and L Raleigh. Have you ever talked to them? Solly baby. Uh-oh. No. The, oh my gosh. I love them so I much. Got a new referral. <laughs> that's yes. right they're amazing and we sat down with them they live in kind of the carlsbad area and we drove right. down there and when we were trying to figure out how we were going to work together they that was their number one piece Start of advice role. was you got to have separate defined roles and stay in your lane and not get in each other's way that's so smart and then you just have your monthly your once a month meeting of the mind yeah well now we've meet a lot, more a lot more than that, than that. Well, daily, but now you yeah. know how it works, right? Yeah. But now yeah. I ask him for permission to, for big purchases because he's the CFO and he asks me, well, do you want to sign this contract? This brand wants this from you. And you're the CEO. I am the CEO. Oh, girl. <laughs> but okay. We, okay. But you know, we, we respect each other in those roles as if right. we were an actual, truly well, you just are an actual partners. business, but yes, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, and that, and that's got to take, because to flip that switch on and off, like... So that's my question. Do you have like a rule? If it's date night, it's like there is no business on date night. Like this is husband-wife time as opposed to business time. Because I know there's some couples that have tried that. Others are like, no, it's 24-7. You know, it's funny. My sister-in-law just asked me that over the weekend too. And I told her it's not... I had to think about it for a minute. And it's really not so much that. Because uh, we don't really have a hard time. Once we're out and we're in date mode or whatever... We have, it's usually just enjoying our time with each other. Where it's hard is 
more like trying to not bring our personal stuff into business because we'll sit down sometimes to work. And if there's like stuff we haven't worked out between each other in our marriage, we're dysfunctional in the business. Have you ever fired him in a fight? (laughs) No, but like once about every six months, one of us has a meltdown and is like, I can't do this. I can't work with you anymore. <laughs> Here's my letter of resignation. Right? Yes. Actually, Neil has given me many You're of those. Fired. Yeah. No, he usually wants to resign once. I don't know. Once or twice a year. And then I talk him back into like within 24 hours, we've worked it out. But yeah, that's the for sure. The hardest thing is not bringing some of the things with our marriage or our personal into the business. I wouldn't say it's the other way around. Okay. So See, much. I'd write my wife would probably write me up for sexual harassment. <laughs> Neil has been written up. I'd like, yeah, yes. I'd like wink at her at like two o'clock, like the kids are asleep. Uh, do you know how inappropriate that is in the workplace? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> do you guys work from home or do you have an office you go to? We work from home. Okay. Does that we also add complexity to that? I think for Neil, it does. I think he had a hard time with that because he was very and much wanted to be the work is work and home is home. I didn't mind it because that's always kind of how I did things. And my, I'm the type that like my mind is always going. Yeah, you're a woman. Morning tonight. Yes. So, well, I've learned so, that. Really, I read a bunch about that. Like the way their brains work, like multitasking, like that stuff's all real. Like they have abilities that we do not have. Like what you just said is totally right. Like we have yeah. to take one box from the shelf. Yes. One at a time. Do the thing. Or Neil always says three things. Put you give me box. three things, but no more than three. Uh, yeah. Put the box yeah. away. Grab the next box. Like, it's like, who cares if we're at home? We're doing, you know, she's typing, having a full conversation, listening to the baby crying in the back. Like, it's crazy. Like, it totally, I'm glad I don't have that ability because I would, I would, I wouldn't make it. Yeah. We've, we've worked from home intentionally because we want to be around our kids more. We want to be, we want to be around at the crossroads. We talk about that where we want to be there when they leave for school and we like to take them to school and pick them up from school and be around in the summer or with our littles during lunchtime and eat lunch with them. And when someone's throwing a tantrum, I want to be able to, I mean a lot, sometimes I don't step in, but if someone's being like a smart aleck or something, I want to be able to go out and be like, I love it. We don't talk like that in our home, you know? So I feel like, I like it. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I feel like we're able to, and it, we're probably less efficient, but it's just really important to us. For sure. How old are you guys? Do you mind me asking that? 36. I have to think about it. I will be 37 (laughs) this year and Neil will be 39. See, and and you wonder if that's an age thing because like the whole being home and working thing, like a year ago, I was the same way. Like being at home was kind of stressful for me. Like I'd get home and it was hard to kind of flip that switch. Mm-hmm. But now I find myself having a hard time leaving home. I think a lot of people feel that way after COVID. It, well, and I don't know that it's that because the restaurant never shut down. Like I was busier than ever during oh, COVID only awesome. because we had to be like very creative and like take out. We were selling food like in church parking. Like we were setting up church parking lots. Like we'll be in Farmington at seven on Thursday, put your orders in now. So, I mean, I was out and about a lot, but so I just wondered if it was an age thing. I don't know if I I don't really know what flipped it, but all of a sudden, like this last six months, I find myself going home earlier, Mm -hmm. leaving later. I don't know. So I, I just wondered if that was a thing with you guys. I'm just trying to figure that out, but 
maybe your kids age too. I feel like I when don't they were really all like them that much though. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love them. But no, I'm just kidding. I mean, you're totally right. Maybe that is it. Once they're, I feel like with my older two girls, they have more complex questions and there's more things going on in their life than just who was at the playground today. And, and that makes me even more motivated to like, I don't ever want to do a carpool ever because, (laughs) because I want that time alone with my kids to be able to quiz them, question them, hear things, ask things. Right. I like that's that. not right I for everybody. That's really, really that's, cool. Well, and for me, maybe it, maybe it's an ADHD thing. Like I have been very into like my yard, my pool, like fixing things. I would be very into things. a pool right now too. Yeah, well, yeah. let me tell you the problem, girl. Listen, <laughs> I can't keep the thing cold enough. Like really? I can't get it under 90. Oh, cause it's like a bath. Yeah. It's outside. ridiculous. Yeah. Like or it's so tub. hot and I put the cover on. And it, it'll like the top of it will be like 110 degrees and then you jump in and mix it all around. So somebody needs to make a chiller for these things. Pour some ice in I there. Feel so, I feel so bad for problems. you. Man, you I can't feel, make fun of me. Man, I You're feel bad for you. You're building a pool right now. Your pool's way better than mine. So sorry for you. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> you live in San Clemente. You beat us both. I mean, the I beach wanted, is really nice. Right? I, I did want to ask that. Like, why San Clemente? Was there a connection to that area? Yeah. So when we moved down there, Neil's job was in his territory was San Diego. Okay. But I had lived in Orange County before. So I was like, I really don't want to live in San Diego County. Yeah, I want to live I'm in Orange County. For San Diego. Yeah. Because I I'm just loved you. it. And so we looked at a couple places in South Orange County. And then we went to Carlsbad. And he was like, oh, okay. I see now why you want to live there. Sure. What's wrong with Carlsbad? Nothing. Carlsbad's. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm it's totally actually kidding. really hip and cool and super I lived nice. I like Carlsbad for a while. Plus, that's where all the golf companies are. Oh, really? Callaway's there. TaylorMade's there. Who else? I think Titleist, too. It's like the golf mecca. Yeah. It's a, it is a really cool place to live, but it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. And sure. yeah. So. So, so in hindsight, what have you really clearly defined like why you think God told you to move to Southern California? Like, Oh yeah. Was it mint era? Was it? I mean, I think our business has grown in ways that it wouldn't have if we stayed in Utah, Uh but for sure, I think we moved down there because there's an incredible ARP 12 step community there. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we moved there for sure. A big part of why we moved there. That's very, very cool. It's different. Yeah. And so why do you, so when you say ARP, where you're talking the addiction Addiction recovery Recovery program Program. Mm -hmm. of the LDS church, right? which is basically their version of, I mean, they've adopted the 12 stop or Mm -hmm. the 12 step program. I actually went to that years ago. How many years ago? And I loved it. It's like, I felt like for the first time in my life, I met real Mormons, Latter-day Saints. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, you guys, (laughs) please don't write in, but, um, I'm really interested to hear like why do we want to segue into this? Maybe we're jumping ahead, but I, I am really interested we're in there. hearing Go. I'm, I'm here. Well, I'm talking about like why we are there, right? The reason, but I've always said there's California Mormons, right? Like California Mormons are different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because like I was born and raised in long beach and Huntington beach, California. And like the junior high that I left when I moved here, there were only like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine of us that were LDS. And so I think when you grow up around everybody, 
all different types of religions, nationalities, race, you know, it, you become a more, I think just naturally you be, you, you grow up a more, I don't know, open-minded individual. Yeah. I think that's a blessing for sure that our kids have where they are around a lot of different cultures and, and belief systems and we're, I mean, even the street we live on is very diverse. We have lots of right. neighbors from different parts of the world, not even just different parts of the country. And I love that. For sure. But I, so did you want to, so. So my, my question, I guess, really is like, does that translate into ARP? Like, okay, there are more people and there are, you know, I loved be, I loved my time in it here because I said, I'll never forget this old guy. Like he looked like a guy that you would see like a general authority. He looked Mm -hmm. like somebody that would get up in general conference and speak. Yeah. And he starts telling his stories of the back alleys and the drugs and the prostitutes. And I'm just like, you? Oh yeah. And he was just the sweet, like the spirit that came off this guy was just unreal. But you know, you just wonder with, with down there with having so many different types of people, if there's just a more, Maybe it's just population. Maybe there's just more people in it. I don't know. Yeah, but. I don't. I I try to shy away from like the church is better where we live than here or whatever. No, the people. I are think well, the <laughs> people are better in Southern California. Everyone who's a Southern California resident would probably agree. With See you. now, now it's just the like opposite. Texans. Now we all hate Californians, right? Because they're like they're buying all of our houses. That's Stay home. true right now. But. Uh, okay, so I think that ARP specifically, the addiction recovery program, when you go there, it's like. This is pure religion. This is, isn't that what Apostle Paul called it? Or anyway, I don't, I'm not Bible like whiz, but it is people going to, yeah, use the 12 steps to overcome really challenging, super real problems. And there's no, there's no reason to put on a front. There's no, you go in and, and what's funny too, is you said, there's this gentleman that goes to the meeting that you went to that you know, looks like he could be a general authority. Looks like a sweet grandpa. Yes. Like, and you hear people say like, Oh, so what is it like at those meetings? Like, what are, what are the people like? And I'm like, it's called the atonement at they, work. They look like you. They are right. doctors, lawyers, very normal people who drug dealer. You would never know. No, seriously. You would never know. But no, that's the coolest part about it. Right. Yeah. Cause you, you learn, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. And it's also so good to remember, like no matter how great they look or how well you think like things are for them. Like there's some hard, hard things that they're dealing with. And everyone, I mean, we we've heard this story a million times just on the podcast. Like it's so hard to remember. Like when someone cuts you off on the freeway, like I want to run them off the road. Right. But every single, you have to remember like anybody that does something that bothers you, like they're probably just hurting. They're probably, like everybody is dealing with something. Something really heavy and hard right. usually. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm not letting you ask no, the question. Oh, no. It wasn't. I I was just kind of making that observation. But you were you were talking about just how people in those meetings, like it's, it's real religion. It's very right? real. Yeah. So I feel like that is why we moved to Southern California was we, we did a little bit of ARP here. Uh, we went to just a few meetings and then we moved to San Clemente and there was one meeting in the area at the time. So that was seven years ago. And 
there was one guy who was, was uh, he was an AA guy. Like he got sober in AA. Then he converted to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then he was asked to help with the ARP program down there. And so it's, you've got this guy who set up the whole culture of, there are cultural things that we do in our meetings in South Orange County that a lot of other meetings don't do. We give out chips. We um, like a you know if somebody comes and they're a newcomer, you no, get you're a newcomer not chip. Doritos, just so people know. It's a just little. So they know. It's, it's like, a little it's like metal chip. Yeah. Yes, from like a you go to like a twelve step shop and they're typically used for AA or SA or and AA is Alcoholics or, Anonymous. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people that don't, don't know that, but OA, that's like kind of where so many different the 12 step program was, that's kind of its origin story is right. Alcoholics Anonymous. Exactly. The Bill and Bob. Of that. Right. They got together and wrote up the 12 steps and I, I think it was very divinely inspired, but anyway, hundred percent. Yeah. So in our meetings, we do the chips where at the beginning of the meeting we say, you know, we want to celebrate any lengths of sobriety and they give out a newcomer chip or anyone who has 24 hours or more of sobriety. Like you showed up, you get a chip and Neil yeah. always says, my husband always says that is the most important chip of all of them. Just yeah. that you were Just willing to, sh- you showed up, you yeah. want help. That's the hardest part. Yeah. And then after that, it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, um, six months, nine months, a year, 18 months, and then you get your birthdays after that. And so that's wow. cultural. That's right. something that, James brought from AA into the San Clemente ARP meeting. And then he also was very, he was really, really big on, you need to work these steps with a sponsor. You can't just open up the manual and do your homework at home and figure that that's going to be enough. You need someone who can call you out on your crap, who can say, okay, this is how you work this step properly so that it's really going to stick and count. And everyone needs so, an accountability partner, no matter what it is you're doing. Yeah. And or you're an sponsored. ear to bend, right? Like somebody that will like at two in the morning when you're staring down the barrel of whatever your addiction yeah. is, like that can help you that will listen. Cause a lot yeah. of times that's just, it's all you need. Right. Yeah. And your sponsor needs to be, I mean, one of, one of Neil's sponsees right now, he often says, if you're going to climb Everest, you need a guide like you need someone who's done it before 100 and so that's kind of so that was there, those were two cultural things that james brought into that um san clemente meeting and we went there and we just found this incredible group of people who had a lot of people had like these huge lengths of time of sobriety there were people with 35 years and 10 years and They're seven years and and so it was really so amazing to come into a really powerful group of people who like they got it and right. there's other meetings that neil had gone to before i f- i feel like i should explain why well and that i do well uh, so i was going to ask that next so we could talk about that but one question i do have is it still you know when i went it was everybody sitting around the table had a different addiction yes, general it's addiction. not just okay it's, it's still like that um, those are my favorite meetings. Those are the ones that I don't care what your addiction is. I always tell people go to a general addiction meeting because right. they're the best. And I have strong feelings about that for a reason. But Neil had gone to, so my husband, Neil is very open about, we've opened up on our blog and yeah. podcast and everything about how he is a recovering pornography addict. Right. And he had tried some like men's only pornography addiction classes, like meetings or whatever. And it was, a, he said he felt like it was kind of a testimony meeting of a bunch of guys getting around like saying 
oh, this week was hard or I'm doing a little bit better or whatever, but nobody really had any traction. So he kind of was like, why am I going to these meetings where there's, it's not working for anyone. So it's just kind of Utah with those. Yeah, we went, he went to a couple of those here, a handful of those. Then we moved down there and then he couldn't, he actually tried to go to the men's only pornography addiction meeting and he couldn't find it. He went to this um, Laguna Niguel building. They have a double building, a double stake center there and he wandered around, couldn't find it. So then he finally um, decided to just go to the one local San Clemente meeting that was just down the street. General. It was general. And he was a little nervous about that because it was general. And it was held at our church building, which he was like. See, and that's the other scary part. Maybe people are going to see me that I know. Meetings mm-hmm. like out Outside of their America. stake, which, which is totally okay. Is totally which great. You should right. go wherever you feel comfortable. Right. But anyway, it was just that was such a blessing to go there and have this really strong culture, just solid group of people who had lots of time and sobriety and whatever addiction. And yeah, so he started going and then he kept inviting me and I kept saying like, screw you. I'm not going with you. This is your problem, not mine. And you just haven't, I mean, that was a long time coming, but we, I married him knowing that. And then he was you married a, him knowing that oh, that yeah. was an issue. Oh yeah. Interesting. And he was in a good place when we got married and we both kind of thought this is going to be the magic bullet. Like he's going to yeah, be done no. with this once we get married right. and it came creeping back up just like any addiction does if you don't deal with it in the right way. And so lots and lots of ups and downs and ups and downs. So let me ask you the first time he told you that it didn't scare you off. Like where did that come from? Like you being open and understanding and still loving him like, is there a story behind that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So we had dated for three months, I think. And that was his mom joked with me when I met her. She was like, just so you know, Neil, Neil dumps every girlfriend he has at three months. I was oh. like, nice to meet you too. <laughs> and, um, but that was true. I mean, he was 26, 27 at the t- time, something like that. And he never had had a relationship last more than about three to four months or whatever. Does he have ADHD? No, he had a pornography addiction oh, where he was like, was. if I let anyone too close to me, they're going to figure out what's wrong with me and I can't handle that. So he would just, as soon as anything got a little bit uncomfortable, he would break it off. And he did that with me. He dumped me like a few days before Christmas. Oh, and I was devastated. So frustrated. Like, I had to be so exhausting for him to have to do that. Like just, that'd be so hard. Like you find somebody and it's just like, you know, you care about the person, but it's like, I just, I have to be done because I can't tell him, you know? Yeah. So he dumped me and I was devastated and everything was going so great in our relationship. So I was very confused. So and even he was, harder for you then. Yeah. And he was like, you're the first girl that I've said, I love you too, since I got home off my mission. And, and I was just like, this is, this is everything that I thought I wanted. And then anyway, so we had broken up and then I just was like, this just doesn't make sense to me. And I ended up calling him just saying like, is there like an explanation? Can you just tell me what happened? Because I really had such strong feelings for you and I felt like everything was going great and I just want to understand. And he said, well, let's, let's go on a drive. So he came and picked me up at my house and, um, I just still remember that we were sitting at this like kind of overlook or whatever point and it was snowing and I was just thinking, what is he going to tell me? Like, what, what could he possibly say? And he just, I will never forget the words. He looked at me and said, I have a problem with pornography. And I was like, whoa. 
And he expected that to be a, okay, thanks for letting me know. Have a nice life. And I appreciate you Especially telling me here, what. Right? Like, yeah. Uh, and I had been married before. before. I'd been married before. Been and married he, before. yeah, he wow. knew that. So he was fully expecting me to be like, I can't deal with anyone who has any issues. So see you later. And I just felt really calm. I felt like, okay, tell me more. And I mean, it was almost like I look back and feel like I acted differently than I would have predicted myself to act. But I just really feel like the spirit was like, it's okay. Just listen. Just be calm. I don't know. So yeah, we got back together and he was really working on it though. I think this is a huge key part of the story. He was going to 12 step meetings, not ARP meetings, but he was going with a really close friend of his to a non-denominational sexaholics anonymous meeting and felt like he had a really good community there and got, got enough traction to be a hundred percent legit. When we got married in the temple, he was totally clean and sober for several months of his addiction and, and felt like he was in a great place. And I like, yeah. So, I mean, it's a longer story than that. We sure. dated for two years. We broke off our engagement, got back together, but eventually got married and we were like, this is it. We're so happy. We're going to, we're, we're set for life. And then it wasn't. Right. So oh, for sure. Well, and that, I guess for me, it's like, so had you had any issues with your previous husband or anything with pornography, or was that really the first time you've had to deal with that? Cause I mean, I would think that you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Like, it's always driven me crazy when I meet someone that's divorced. Like, I've met quite a few women that they'll just offer up the problem. Like, yeah, I divorced. My husband was addicted to porn. And it always just kind of surprises me. I was like, I'm sure there's way more to the story than that. But mm-hmm. and I do feel like people give up on people really easy with pornography. And so, yeah, I was just wondering, did you have... Do you think it was just kind of the spirit like softening your heart in that moment or did you already have experience with it with someone else in the past to where you were able to like empathize with him instead of like reject him when he told you that? So here's what I'll tell you about that because I'm very careful about how I talk about my previous marriage for for more than one reason, Um, but mostly just out of like respect for he has his own life now and I have mine and and I just, um, and that's all in the past, but to your point about there's usually much more to the story than just one thing. Of course. That was definitely the case. Um, but when I started looking for someone and dating again and whatever, I definitely had a very different set of expectations of what I wanted in marriage that was so different. Like I grew up with the, the very tale. quintessential like, I want someone tall, dark and handsome who is educated and is going to have a good job and is you know, whatever, all these like very superficial, very unimportant things that the next time around, my number one thing was I need to marry someone who is on the exact same level as me, at least my level or higher of their dedication to the gospel and their spirituality and their relationship with God. And the thing that attracted me the most to Neil was our very first conversation we talked about the church, our testimonies, his mission. And it wasn't like a nerdy, like EFY counselor. Like (laughs) this is the only thing I know how to talk about. Um, We were on a houseboat in Lake Powell. (laughs) I mean, I have really great friends who are, you know, former EFY counselors. (laughs) It's great. But, um, you know, we were on a houseboat with a bunch of 
single people in like I was in a swimsuit and he was too. And it, it wasn't, nor, wasn't necessarily like the type of place that would be conducive to that kind of conversation, but it happened. And I had so much respect for him that he was all in, he was all in on the gospel. And I think there's that. I think there's the fact that when he told me about, I struggle with pornography addiction, he also said, and here's what I'm doing about it. I've been working with my bishop for years. I go to these 12 step meetings with my friend and, um, you know, he was always, always very, that's what all on the gospel is. Yeah. All in on the gospel doesn't mean that like you're perfect. Yeah. It means like you can talk about your mistakes and your screw ups and your sin, like, cause that's the whole reason we have it. Right. And so there to be used, but I have so much respect for the fact that you reacted the way that you did. Like that is a very, very, you know, talk about somebody who's all in on the gospel. Like that's what that looks like, at least from my point of view. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that I really deserve credit for that. I just feel like it was well, you can't one of those. Well, you can't tell me where to give credit and what <laughs> not to, so well, I'm but, giving you some credit. But you know what I... So good job. You know what I mean when you say, like, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you feel like you say things or you do things out of character and that you look back and you're like, wow, that wasn't all me or even for sure. just me. I do me. that like every other day. <laughs> so I usually have to say sorry for something almost. I'm down to like three times a week, but... But, but no, in yeah. like in a good way where you're like, wow, that came out of nowhere. Oh, so you're talking the opposite. In the opposite. In oh, the wow. way that like I feel like I had strength and grace and peace and all of those things come in oh, from cool. a total un not unknown. I mean I know the source, but it wasn't just my unexpected. Yeah, it wasn't my character in my character to be like, okay, tell me more. I definitely am more of the type of person that probably if you would have asked me how would you react to this, I probably would have said Nice to know you. Oh, hell no. Right, right. Yeah. And it wasn't that way, but I don't feel like it was, I feel, I really, when I look back on that, there's no other way for me to understand what happened there other than the spirit was like, it's okay. Just you know, listen. There's probably a lot of, um, what's the thing we, what's the thing we always talk about syndrome? Um, imposter syndrome with the spirit. Does that make sense? No. Like we're so used to hearing other people's spiritual stories and how they react but it's, I think it's really hard for us to think that like God did something for us in those oh, moments. Yeah, yeah. You like need to read doubting, doubt, like, you know, like you said, like I would have never expected myself to react the way that I did. Right. And, but be able to say like, I know exactly like, like what you just said is so healthy and awesome. Like I knew exactly what happened. Like it wasn't me. It was, you know, the Holy Ghost. It was the spirit. It was, you yeah. know, some... Or whatever anybody else wants to to call that in, in their belief system, but um, I think a lot of us probably go, I don't, I don't deserve that help or that. So have you read the you book know? Believing Christ? I don't think so. So it talks about believing Christ or believing in Christ. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that are Christian believe in Christ, and they believe He has the power to heal and He's the power to forgive, but they don't believe Him that He'll do it for them. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. And so you read about all these great acts and you believe, oh yeah, he could totally do that. He could totally forgive you. He could totally forgive mm-hmm. you. You guys are awesome. Right. But he won't do it for me. Well, and that whole, like the faith and being able to share that with others. You know, how many people don't want to go talk to a bishop or don't want to tell their wife or husband about a problem because they think they know how they're going to react. 
Yeah. But you don't know, right? And I guess that's a very faith-building experience. Like people hearing your story, you know, you wonder how many people have something that they've been wanting to share with their significant other, but they're just too scared to. And you hear a story like yours and it's like, you know what? You got to have a little faith that it'll work out, right? It's funny. That's really part of the story that doesn't get told very much. So, yeah. So, yeah, and I love that. That's that's what we want. Like, we want to hear because that's, it's like the chip, the 24-hour chip, right? That wasn't the hardest part. Like, the hardest part, I bet, I bet if we asked Neil, like, were you more scared? I know. (laughs) If you were, were you more scared for that first day? of going to ARP or was it more scary to have somebody that you're falling in love with who's been married before, like look her in the eyes and say, here's my problem. I think he was, he was terrified of both, but probably more of telling me, but he, he really felt like, okay, this is the right thing to do. And I respect her enough that I'm going to give her a, the real reason so that she can go on with her life and not be confused about what happened with us. He was Which thinking that was closure. Sweet. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He thought this is, this is the right thing to do because she deserves that. But it's like, go out swinging big boy. Right? Like it, what if she, that's the thing. Like for him, I'm sure it was just him being sweet, but in the back of his mind, I wonder if he was just like, but you know, if she understands like what a great way to know that I found like the love of my life. Right. I mean, that's as rom- that's a very romantic, we should make a movie about that. Like, we're all so used to the fairy tale bull crap. Like, I mean, you No, let me know. tell you a real love story. Like you at Squaw Peak and him telling you, I'm just. It wasn't was just, Squaw Peak, I although I am very familiar with Squaw Peak. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I went to BYU. Okay. So. so when did you both decide to make that part of kind of your guys' story and open that up to the public? Yeah, that's a great question. So we both did the steps. I'll try to give you the condensed version. But um, so we had been going to ARP for a couple of years and you would get three months or six months and then just keep relapsing and keep, you know, he would keep trying. But I got to a breaking point where his last relapse was almost five years, it'll be five years this October. And wow. he, t- I kind of found out and it hit me. Like I, f- I describe it as it feels like a semi truck hits you and runs you over. Like that's what it felt like to me, especially because I was kind of blindsided by this particular relapse. I thought he was doing great. And I called my, who became my sponsor, but my friend Mandy Goopler, who does the blog, um, vintage revivals. You guys totally should have Mandy and court on there. Incredible. Um, they would totally, they're so they're way more fun and interesting than me. (laughs) Oh, whatever. You're amazing. Seriously. Um, I called her and I said, I just can't live like this anymore. I'm so miserable and I'm so tired of being controlled by whether Neil is going to be in his addiction or not. I just can't live like this. And she said, are you calling me? because you just need someone to listen to you or are you calling because you want to do something about it? And I said, I'll do anything. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. She said, okay, you need to do the steps. You need to do the steps. And so I said, okay, How I'll did do she it. know to say that? Because she, so she is married to someone who's overcome a pretty okay. gnarly drug addiction. And she's she was the reason really why we ended up opening up our story online. The reason why we went to ARP is because I was one of Mandy's original blog followers and 
And I read her story about ARP, and that was why I even knew to go to ARP. We never had a bishop tell us to go. We never had friends or people who were openly talking about that. But Mandy put it on, she put her story on her blog, and I had read that story. And that was what caused us to go to our first ARP meeting. And so anyway, I called her, worked the 12 steps, and I finally was able to let go of being in charge of Neil's addiction or making sure that like our life was perfectly in line so that he had the best chance of not, you know, having a slip up or whatever. Or I, you know, if I was going to go out of town, I had to like voodoo trap our whole house so that everything was locked out and there was no chance of him, you know, so not fair to you. And I just was like, I can't live like this anymore. So I, I went to Neil and I said, I just want you to know, that whatever you do, I'm going to be okay. And this is all you now. And I'm not in charge of any of it anymore. And he, when he tells that part of the story, he will say, I knew she wasn't saying it spitefully or to be like, you know what you like, I'm not doing this anymore. I I just was like, I'm going to be okay. Whatever you choose to do. And that was also the turning point for him where he finally had to own it and he couldn't give some of the ownership to me or resentment or whatever. So he really took his 12 steps seriously too. And totally individually on our own we worked the 12 steps and individually oh yeah it's not like we were doing it together okay. at all so well, it's I, almost like yeah it's almost like you're addicted to oh it's codependency 100 well, and that's that's and yeah. so yeah when mandy so years later when we went to one of she and her husband court um used to run a meeting in southern utah and we went to their meeting and she introduced herself as hi i'm mandy i'm a code uh recovering codependent yeah, I was like, codependence you nailed it like, you nailed it that's me so now i introduce myself like that too at every meeting but anyway so wow. yeah uh neil really finally got some traction got sobriety worked his 12 steps i did the same in my own very separate realm and in my own recovery and then when we kind of started getting t- close to the 12th step which is after having had a spiritual awakening um because of the 12 steps, share this message with others and practice these principles and all you do. So we started feeling these really strong feelings. Like when we would go to the temple or when we would be in ARP meetings that we needed to share our story the same way that Mandy did, because it was such a gift to us. And it was, it got to the point where we would go to the temple and you would look at me and I would be like, I just don't even ask. You already know what I'm feeling. And I mean, it was like dozens of times where we would go and just keep feeling that over and over. And I was like, this is all you. If you want to just take this to the grave, great. If you ever feel comfortable, great. Like I'm open to it, but it's got to be all you like when you're ready. And we went to a meeting together, the meeting that we were going to. And this is so important too. I want to circle back to this when I talked about the culture of ARP in in South Orange County. So a bunch of people got sober and then they started breaking off and creating their own meetings. And now there are meetings all over South Orange County that run the, they are ran the same way that that original San Clemente meeting was run with the traditions of the 12 steps of AA, but also the gospel of Jesus Christ in ARP. And the two of those together are so powerful. And now it used to be, there was one meeting in all of Southern um, South Orange County that people came and they would drive from like Downey and from, you know, different parts of San Diego. People were coming an hour to two and a half hours away to this one San Clemente meeting. Now there's like, there's one every single night. Surprised the church hasn't adopted what you guys are doing yet. I mean, that's a whole different conversation, but okay. So going back, we, we went to our weekly meeting and this girl who had come a few times 
shared that night. I think it was the first time she shared. And she said, you know, I was so intimidated to come to ARP. I felt like such a loser. I felt like we were struggling beyond what most people struggle with and just kind of embarrassed and ashamed. And she said, I walked in and I saw Corinne here and not just Corinne, but that she's mint arrow and that, oh, well, if, if she's here and she's okay, and I think so much of her, then it's okay wow. for me to be and here I too. her permission. And sh- her share was what made Neil. F- we left the meeting. We both drove separately that night and we called each other because we're such dorks. We called each other and talked on the way home, driving home. And he was like, I'm ready. It's time. So that night I stayed up super late, wrote, wrote it all out on the, on my blog and you know, saved it in a draft. He read it the next morning and just said, publish it. It was on Valentine's day a few years ago. So how scary was that? I think because he was ready and he knew it was right and he knew it was God's will. It was like, okay, we know that. And, and with everything, all of our blessings, all of this like completely different life that we live now that than we ever would have pictured for ourselves. It's all been because we've been willing to do things out of our comfort zone that God planned for us, not that we planned for ourselves. We planned this life of Neil being in medical device cells and me, like I, all I wanted was like to drive an SUV around and have lunch with my friends and not work and get my nails done or something like something right, just so right. like that was our expectation of life. Seriously. When we got married was like, this is just what it's going to look like. And if we can aspire to, you know, having a comfortable, normal lifestyle, like that's it. And, and we have this public platform and it comes with different, you know, pros and cons, but we've been able to help. I mean, we get emails and DMS like several a week, every week from people saying we were going to get divorced or you changed our life or, and it's not about that. It's not about like, Oh, we're so great. But it's about knowing that putting that out there has had this huge ripple effect where people aren't feeling alone and they feel like they know where to go to get help and they know that there's couples who make it through that and who come out so much better and right so yeah and it and it was truly living that 12th step of um share this message with others and practice these principles and all you do right so wow so how was the initial do you remember anything about the initial response from that first blog post? Oh yeah, we couldn't even keep up with there were like just, overwhelmingly positive. Oh yeah, just I mean, for all of the messages we've gotten, I've gotten maybe like two hater comments. But if people think that you know Neil is a bad person or I'm stupid or whatever, they most of them keep it to themselves. But we get all all kinds of positive feedback and people who are grateful and people who want to remain anonymous, but reach out to us and say, this changed our lives. And the, the day we opened up about that, I mean, there were like 700 comments on the blog post and thousands of comments on the original Instagram post and our emails both blew up and we couldn't possibly get back to everyone that, you know, said, Oh my gosh, I've been alone for all this time. Felt like I've never had anyone to talk to or never until I read your blog post. I didn't even know someone else had experienced this the way that I have. And I finally don't feel alone and I finally know where to go get help. See, and that what's awesome is you'll never know the ripple effect. One, like your yeah. friends that shared, you know what I mean? Like yeah. to think, and they can trace it back to probably someone who shared a story or open, you know what I mean? You can probably continually trace that back Yeah, and you'll never know how far it extends. Like how many people can be impacted and how many lives and generations can and will be changed from seemingly simple but courageous act. 
Yeah. I think it's so awesome. Well, and marriage is strengthened because, you know, you wonder how many people, you know, I think on both sides, you know, how many wives are out there just going like, how do I deal with this? Because, you know, pornography is huge. It's like it affects everybody. Yeah. And and then, and then on the flip side of that, men, because I think that's the one thing about marriage that a lot of people lose out on. Like, and, you know, Ashley and I are certainly guilty of this, but being able to trust each other and being able to like lean on each other and support each other and not be scared to share all that with your person, right? Yeah. I think that's important to be, to grow that transparency in your relationship. But I think what's even more important is to have a healthy enough relationship with God and with you know, your understanding of yourself yep. and what's going on inside of you to not make it about you and me and our relationship. And we're here to recover together. Well, like, that's a, I'd say in God and outside of God, I think that is great relationship advice in general. Like we've definitely right. learned that these last few months, like, you know, we've gone back to marriage counseling, which we pretty much always do. But like the codependency thing is very, very real. I have ADHD. I talk about it a lot and it's a very common problem in ADHD. Like ADHD, non ADHD couples, Mm -hmm. which I'm surprised I've never read anything about that. But yeah, like we are so all over the place and the spouse feels like it kind of naturally becomes like their job to parent the ADHD spouse. And then they end up presenting and just kind of losing their own identity. And we've been studying about that a ton. It's like, no, like I am not... Or this marriage counselor has been awesome because he's like, your job is to love each other, but it's not your job to make each other happy. 100%. I thought that was super interesting, yeah. right? Like not only do you have to deal with your own issues, like I will help you, but it's not my job to do it. Mm-hmm. But like you also have to like create your own happiness. Like, well, that was the turning point. It's not my point, job, right? right? As soon as you got to that point, you're like, right. I'm, I'm going to be okay. I got me covered. You take care of you. Like once that, separation happened is kind of what turned the corner it sounds like for you guys well it's not like you're not there to support him right like it's not like you're not there to be his partner but you're just not making it your job yeah although your happiness is based on how that's going right right so melody Beattie in the book codependent no more says she has a whole chapter on detach right and she talks about how essential it is to detach and she's like if you can detach with love but if you have to detach with anger just whatever you do detach which means like don't don't follow this person around trying to fix everything for them and feeling like your whole life is controlled by their choices and even if you're mad even if you're like screw you i hate you right now right and i'm gonna go live my life that's better than being stuck trapped in the dance of Whatever you do makes me do what I do and you're, you know, so yeah, it's always best to detach and love. And that's what I try to do now with anything with, I mean, we still have issues. We still have things that we work through and, and that's the healthiest way is to say your stuff's your stuff and my stuff's my stuff. I mean, my husband's still dealing with grief of losing his brother two and a half years ago. Um, His, my brother-in-law was murdered in Salt Lake and there are times when I still want to take on his grief and fix things or make him feel better or whatever. And I have to realize over and over it's, it's not for me to do. I can't do that. And the only person that can do that is the savior. That's right. And him, right? Like, and, and him. Right. And Neil when he, yeah, when he's ready or whatever. So did this 
lead to the podcast? Uh, guys, we, that's a good question. So we, we had already, yeah, we were open about that when we started the podcast, but no, the podcast was one of those, like going to the temple and having, feeling that over and over, like yeah. you need to start a podcast and it would wake me up in the middle of a dead sleep. I just would wake up and be like, I have to, this is the next thing. And so Neil was down with that and we started it together. And so that's been that's been our best passion project that we've done together. I think that's our favorite thing about Mint Arrow now is doing this podcast, being able to talk about whatever the heck we want. I and can't not. wait to start listening to this podcast. I'll bet Tell us a little awesome bit about stuff. it. Yeah. Okay. So it's called Mint Arrow Messages and we talk about, we interview people like every other episode is an interview and we just talk to people about really meaningful messages, anything from something they've overcome to something they've learned or something they're passionate about that is, it, it has to have that element of really meaningful, deep, something that is going to help people. And then every other episode, Neil and I do, because this was what our audience asked for, they just kept saying, oh, we just really like the ones where it's just you and Neil. So we just started doing every other episode together and we just talk about parenting or you know whatever's anything that is so our most recent one was on selfishness and we talked all about so good overcoming that oh thanks so good so yeah we it's it's awesome and i feel like we we did a transition to to where we're now independent and not with a podcasting production company that was at first wanting to kind of control yeah and now we could talk about whatever we want and i love it yeah so I'll ask you one marriage question. What if you had to give a couple getting married one piece of advice? Like they're going to realize that marriage is a big baseball bat upside the head at a certain point, like the checklist, like the fairy tale stuff you were mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. Like what would you what would you tell them? I new, know exactly new, what I'm going to say. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So, and I have a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm dating this guy and he has pornography addiction or I'm falling in love with someone. What do you do or how do you know it's if it's the right person?" And I, so I will tell you this about my divorce. And I talked about this in a recent podcast episode about regrets. And I look back at that and, and there are a lot of things that happened that I will never talk about in a public forum, but I made the mistake of getting married to someone that God told me more than once, do not marry this person. I had strong feelings um, once like about a week and a half before we got married. And then once like the day of in the temple, like if you've been married in the temple um, in our church, you know, you get like a minute where you're sitting together in the celestial room before you go in, before you get married. And both times they were strong, strong, like wow. do not do this. And I just did it anyway because I was so worried about super dumb things like what if I never get a wedding ever? You know, what if my parents won't pay for another wedding? Or what if this is the only person who will ever love me and I will never have a chance again yeah, after this? And bachelor say when it's get so sent stupid. Home. Yeah. Like and no one's ever going to love me. That's, but but, but it's that, real. That's of what course I felt. you found a way to bring the bachelor <laughs> into this. Well, I'm just saying that it, it's so funny to me because like you're this extremely smart, like amazing, you know, and it, you look at some of them too and it's like, you're gorgeous. You're funny. Like you're going to find somebody. Relax. But that is a very real feeling when you, oh. when that it was Happens, real. All right? of them, I was kind of the last of my friends to get married. Like I left BYU not married and almost all of my other friends were married. And I just felt like I'm the old hag and I better hurry up and get married. I mean, I really felt this 
urgency of, I need to hurry and get married. And I, so that it's, and that's on me. That's a regret that I have that I just pushed through something when I feel like God told me, do not do this. And in complete contrast, when I married Neil, I had more than one very strong yes about him from God, where it was like we, I prayed or we prayed and it was, I had just total confidence that not only yes, I'm happy with this decision, but this is who you should marry and and I have great things in store for you. And so that is the one and only thing that you can go off of that will never steer you wrong. The spirit will never lie to you or tell you something that you can't take to the bank. If so the spirit tells you, listen, yes. Listen to your gut, listen. Like if you're not a spiritual person, like listen to your instincts. Like, yeah, like so, yeah, go mom. with that voice, that inner voice that tells you what's right or wrong. You just, you'll never go wrong. My mom actually kind of gave me similar advice. So her first marriage, she's like, yeah, I knew it shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. But she was like, I couldn't have not done it because my mom would have been mad. My family would have been mad. Like all of these things. And I'll never forget. It was the day I was getting married. And she's like, Andrew, if you don't want to do this, I'll drive you. I'm going to have that same conversation with my kids. Best friend's wedding, but with your mom. But no, she was like, 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 just know, like, it's never, like, it's not too late. Like, if you don't feel like this is it. Yeah. And I remember when she said that to me at first, I was kind of bugged. I was like, hold on, what? Like, don't say that to me right now. Like, I was like, do you not like Jenna? (laughs) Like, what's happening with this? (laughs) And she was like, no, it's not that at all. But no one said this to me. Right. And so I'm going to say it to you. So you know... I have your back. And if you don't feel good, let's go. Yeah. And I was just like, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. And so I think that's so valuable because I think we do get caught up in, well, what will so-and-so think? Or how is that going to happen? And you do, you have to learn to trust your gut, follow the spirit and act and just, it'll, doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? But you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll progress and you'll figure it out. Yeah. So what about married couples? Now, now they're married. What what's your advice for that? Anything? You just trying to get all this like No, no I like I, it because I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like so I always tell people marriage counseling, if your marriage is perfect, it's like changing your oil. Go to a marriage counselor yeah. twice a year. Yeah. I, right? Like just go and recenter like you know, safe, neutral spot where you know, because I think that a lot of people are bad at communicating and they'll let things kind of like create that like safe spot at least twice a year, even if things are great. Like, do you have anything like that? I think I agree with that, but I also always say bad therapy is worse than no therapy. And that's like, very go, true. Go find someone who is highly recommended. One hundred more than one person. Ideally, if right. you can hear the same name said, you know, if you ask around. So I, but I do really think that's super solid advice. Here's another thing though. I, I loved it. There was a man who used to come to the San Clemente meeting and he would say, everything you need in this life is free. You can get wow. baptized for free. You can get married in the temple for free and you can get sober for free. So I always really struggle. Everything that you really need in this life is free. Yeah, I Love. struggle with Love. like yeah. even telling people you need to go to therapy or you need this program or you need, like I've had so many people reach out and say, we want to work with you on our you know, recovery, this or that, and we'll pay you this much money. And I've every single time I'm like, no, because I believe that every, including getting sober, you can go to an AA meeting for free 
anywhere in the world. And you can show up to church and get, you know, your spirit fed for free. And I feel like for any couple who's struggling with anything, like it's, yes, there are helpful tools out there. Like, like if you're going to climb Everest, yeah, there's stuff that will make it easier. Um, but the guide is the most important. The guide's going to, the guide's going to save your life. And the guide for all of us, I feel like is, I mean, I just, this is, if you know me and you follow my stuff, like I just don't shy away from talking about the gospel. And I just feel like that is, if you can get your own spirituality straight and you are actually reading your scriptures every day and you're actually praying, a lot of all the other stuff is going to get worked out because the spirit's going to help you be not so dumb. And yeah, it, <laughs> well, and and keep things in perspective. Right? Yeah, like and just things that might, well, or it's going to help you know what else you need to do, right? Yeah, there right, will be and don't sweat steps. the small stuff. Every situation will be different. There are some situations that will require outside help or outside intervention, right? But I think the spirit can help. Right. guide that direction and guide those decisions as well. Well, we're all here to be like, we can do God's work for, you know what I mean? Like we're here to help the next group, right? Like that's, yeah. I always say like the more problems you have and the more things you've overcome, the more people you can help. That's so like true. There's always, a, there's, there's always more pros than cons. Like those are the people that I want to know the most, the guys that have, you know, the, the, the human beings that have overcome the most problems that most people would look and it's like, he's just, he or she is just trash. Like they always have this problem. always have, but then you sit down in front of that grandpa at the ARP meeting that looks like a general authority. And then you hear all these stories and it's like, that is like, to me, that is the atonement. Well, defined right that's the walking version of it there's a reason he still has his scars totally right and there's a reason they didn't heal and that and god put it's just like what i want that we need to say can we say his first and last name of the aa the aa guy in orange county james kennedy yeah only because neil would otherwise cringe because he's so careful about anonymity but james is open james tells the story anywhere he goes like so yeah he he's probably been through some like he's been through hell and back, but he now has, yeah. look at the difference. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you making. he was just like a, you know, a, a drunk, just like could not yeah. get his life together. And then he went to AA and well, Danny Deaton. What Danny's like doing. T- Tandy. I mean, it, there's the list is never ending. And, mm-hmm. and those are the people that we need to start revering, not, you know, looking down on because those are the people that help us the most. And so, and they are, and in reality, just like you guys, like you're, it's God's God's instruments, right? Yeah. And so that's how you turn something super difficult, beautiful, is using it to help other people. So, and I think like you guys telling your story, it's amazing, and it's Thank it's you. more amazing than just the ARP stuff. Like I think the marriage part of it is the relationship side, not only like the addiction and the struggles there, but you work together, parent together. It, like, and I can tell crazy. you what I can tell you what Neil would say too if he were here. He would be, he's always paranoid to come off as like we've figured it all out and we are perfect. And we, he's always wants to clarify in any of these conversations. Right. Like, we don't have it all figured out. We still For struggle. Sure. We still, you know, are are. I feel like I am still a beggar at Christ's feet every day. Like I need a lot of help. But I think that I am better for surrendering a lot yes. of what I can't control 
to the Savior all the time and, and begging for that help and then being willing to try to listen as much as I can. I just am. You have the tools. Yeah, I'm to the point where I really am like, whatever God tells me to do, I'll do it. And yeah. and I'm not perfect at the delivery every time, but I try. And I think and that that's, that's all you can do. I think that's where we've gotten so many blessings. When people ask us like, oh, what's your success story? I'm just every time like, I don't have, I, it's not, it's nothing that it's a I did target. and it was all because we were just really willing to follow God's lead and he did all of this for us. It's yeah. all him it is. I mean, I show up and I work hard, but it's all, yeah, you definitely deserve some credit for sure. But, but yeah, you know where that, that comes from and that's plus if you say you've got everything together, you're just asking for it. <laughs> that's Don't ever true. Say that. Don't ever say that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, well, this has been, it's amazing how many of these go from this like successful, exciting business to like the nitty gritty, right? Real stuff. The, the real stuff, like the struggles that, you know, all these people that love you and just kind of revere you for who you are online. Like, it's so cool that they're following somebody that is so open about the real stuff, right? Because well, I, I think on social media, that's so important. That not everybody that just the, the comparisons that people make to, you know, what they're seeing online is such a hard and negative thing. But if you're following somebody real that, you know, is exactly who you think, you, you know, you were following, but even more, I think that's just such a blessing for people to have. So you do deserve some credit because it's scary that it's scary for you guys to do what you're doing. Not anymore. We're kind of not scared of anything. That's, well, good. <laughs> we used That's to amazing. be. We used to be. Yeah. I used to be super afraid to talk about religion that yeah. offend people or lose business. And, and that's, I like, think that's a part of our culture yeah. and, and the church that it's changing, but we still have a long way to go, right? Like not being scared or ashamed to, to talk about it, it and yeah. get help, yeah. right? Like don't lock it in and just live with all that weight because like it's such a horrible way to live. So... So anything fun and exciting you're working on as we end? Like any big fun projects you guys got coming out that uh, people need to be on the lookout for that you can actually talk about? I don't have any like fun The Nordstrom anniversary in, sale? Oh yeah, the, the anniversary <laughs> sale's coming out. Oh that's hey, keep I me, just read about it. That's going to keep me busy next week. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as far as I don't have some like amazing capsule collection coming out with some designer right. brand or anything like that. But I do, my thing that has been keeping me up and pushing me when I'm in the temple and stuff lately is a book. And I know that's my next thing. And I've, I've been very, very blessed to have some absolutely incredible mentors who I will be have given me, one. you know, some really good guidance. It's just, I, I just need to take the time to do it. Oh, so cool. that's maybe such what's a next. Great story. Very cool. And you're still creating one. So this will just be the first book, right? Is that what the book that you're talking about? Like, is it kind of a memoir up to this point or, yeah, I, you know, I really, at first I wanted to like one of my favorite books ever is standing for something by Gordon B. Hinckley. Yeah, and I wanted to write that book. kind of a version of that. That would be, I'm going to teach true principles, but not, I don't want a Deseret book book. I want something that's a bestseller that can teach people true principles to live a happy life. Yeah. And that was going to be the goal. And then, this, well, I'll just tell you who it is. Greg McEwen, who wrote, wrote Essentialism and now Such Effortless. Such a good book. Love that He's, book. Yeah, he really has mentored me and is like, no, you need to write your story. 
You yeah. can teach the principles in the story, but you got to write the story. It needs to be the story. I yeah. agree. Like so, that, there's no better way to deliver the principles than through like the story that they came from yeah. or the, you know where they were learned. Yeah, so that's so, that's probably next. I love so it. Cool. I can't wait. Yeah. And so in case they don't know, where can they find you? So we blog every day, Monday through Friday at mintarrow.com if you're looking for the deals. Okay. And then if you're looking for more of the the nitty gritty, <laughs> you can go to, you know, we have every Monday I post something, although I did miss this last Monday, but almost every Monday I post a Mintero Meaningful Mondays, like something that's about the soul, about spirituality, about how to have a happy life. And then we do that on our podcast too, Mintero Messages, and that comes out every Monday. Wow. On all major podcast platforms, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming down today. Thank you. I was you. so happy we were able to kind of connect finally. Yeah, this was awesome. This guys, was supposed to happen. You guys are for good. Sure. You're I, this, good at pulling out the, <laughs> oh, thank you. the nitty gritty. The nitty Seriously, gritty. though, you are. You're you're very good at It's fun, but it's also really, you get all the real juicy good stuff. Well, and that's the thing. Like, it's... Selfishly, that's why we do it. It's well, so and that's fun. the thing. Like, it's not, it's not, we're not trying to get the juicy. It's just, I think it's stuff we care about, right? And yeah. so it's... There's so many amazing people that they all have so much depth and so many stories behind, you know, becoming, you know, Mint Arrow, for example. So we love it. So I am a huge fan now. I'm really excited to, I already signed up for everything, oh. even the deals. <laughs> so I'm in, well, I'm a fan. So when we would Cam. love to meet Neil next time you guys are in town. Okay. We would love to you. have you back. That okay. would be super fun to talk to him too. So thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, you guys.